This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, a sod farm makes a fine landing field until it's harvested. Prepare for a bumpy arrival in 90 Degree Turn on Takeoff by Tom Hack. There is no entry in my logbook specifically referring to this incident, but I think it was the spring of 1966. My friend Bart had bought five acres outside of Davie, Florida. His place was about five or six miles southwest of town in an area of farm fields and pastures with a few scattered homes on five or ten acre tracks along a dirt road. One day Bart told me he would like to see his place and the surrounding area by air. I was a private pilot with 150 hours under my belt and was happy to do Bart a favor. We talked about the best place to pick him up. I don't know why I didn't just offer to pick him up in my car and take him to the airport with me. It was probably because I wanted to demonstrate the flexibility and utility of small airplanes. Why inconvenience him with a drive all the way down to the Tamiami airport just to fly back up north to his place? Besides, there was a good-looking mowed grass field about a quarter mile north of his property. The field was about 400 feet wide and about 1,000 feet long. Power lines bordered the road at the east side of the field, but the length of the field ran north and south with no obstructions across it. Landing and takeoff to the south should be a breeze in my flying club's Aronka tri-champ. The weather for the weekend was forecast to be great. I would drive down to Tamiami early Sunday afternoon and fly the airplane to his place to pick him up. I would make a low pass over his home to let him know I was there, and he would come up to the field where I had landed. Everything went according to plan. The flight from Tamiami to Bart's place was enjoyable. I overflew the house, and after a wave from Bart, I headed for the field. It looked different. It had always been solid green grass before, but now there were mysterious dark strips running across it from east to west. I overflew the field at low altitude, but I still could not make out what those dark strips were. They did not look particularly menacing, so I set up for a soft field approach and landing to the south. 
Touchdown was at minimum airspeed with the nose gear well off the ground. The field was a lot rougher than I had expected. I held the nose gear off as long as I could, easing it down at slow speed. As I taxied to the east side of the field next to the road, it became apparent what the black strips were. The field was a sod field that had recently been harvested. When a sod field is harvested, a machine cuts out a long strip of sod about one foot wide and rolls it up. After harvesting, the grass in the strips not harvested grows back into the dirt strips over time. The sod strips, when you buy them, are about two inches thick. The field was so rough because it had two-inch bumps running across it. I had no desire to put the nose gear assembly through that test again. Taking off to the east was not a viable option because of the power lines. I could position the airplane pointing west with its tail just clear of the road and under the power lines, however. The three-foot-high wire fence running along the west edge of the field gave me pause. It looked kind of close. I felt certain that with just me in the tri-champ, the airplane would clear the fence. But what about Bart? He probably weighed 165 to 170 pounds. The smart thing to do at this point would have been to explain to Bart that since the field had just been harvested and now required taking off in the short direction, we should try again on another day with a different plan. I took pride in being a cautious and safe pilot, so why didn't I do that? I suppose I did not want to disappoint a good friend. I finally concluded that if it looked like we would not clear the fence during the takeoff roll, at least I would be going fast enough for the ailerons and rudder to have good aerodynamic effect. So after about 300 feet of roll with the nose gear off the ground, I could perform a coordinated 90-degree turn to the left on the left main gear, leaving us heading south with another 500 feet to go to the southern boundary fence. At this point, we would be going across the strips again, but only with the mains and with reduced weight on the wheels. What an idiotic idea. It's amazing what one's mind can come up with. I discussed the plan with Bart. He wasn't a pilot, so he didn't know the difference. He trusted me. Using my best short soft field takeoff technique, I commenced the roll. The airplane accelerated normally, and the nose wheel lifted. However, the airspeed indicator wasn't reacting very quickly. It soon became apparent that we would not clear the fence and that the left turn procedure would be required. The fact that I managed to pull it off still amazes me, but it worked out as planned, although we had scrubbed off some speed in the process. We cleared the fence at the south edge of the field by about three feet. After a flight around the area, we landed in the same field, this time to the east, parallel to the sod strips. Getting into 400 feet was a breeze. I taxied the airplane to the eastern edge and spun it around to put the tail back under the power lines. We shut down, got out, and chatted a while. Bart was appreciative of the airplane ride and had enjoyed seeing his place from the air. With the airplane pointed west again, I started the engine and after the normal checks commenced the takeoff roll. With just me in it, the tri-champ became airborne in about 250 feet and cleared the fence by about 30 feet. 
What a difference 170 pounds can make in that airplane. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.